Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by publicity guru Esther Kiss. And I've known Esther for going on two years now, and of all the guests we've had on the show, all the publicity reps I've come across, Esther has not only the highest caliber clientele, but she is also a complete PR ninja when it comes to getting press. She helps experts get more publicity online so they get more leads and sales. She's the founder of Born to Influence, and she does just that. Having gotten her clients on TV and newspapers, magazines, as well as on some of the top podcasts of the world, including ours, <laughs> uh, resulting in millions of dollars of additional sales. Like me, she's also trilingual, except her three languages are English, Hungarian, and Dutch. I invited her to come on the show today because she, she's so good at what she does. I thought you, our listeners, might want to know all about how to get interviews and mentions in the press. So Esther, thank you so much for your time today. I really sincerely appreciate it. How are you doing, my friend? Hi, Daryl. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure. So um, so I know a bit of your story, but a lot of the listeners, this might be the first time they've even heard your name. And I know kind of where you're at now. And I know you've told me, you know, we've talked about it in the past, but how did you even get started? You didn't start off like being a power networker and being able to get people like in front of millions of others. So how did you even get going in this? Oh my gosh, I'm probably the most shy and introverted person you'll ever meet. <laughs> and it really takes effort for me to connect with people, but at the same time, I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, as far as a background, I, I mean, I have a background in uh, marketing and business development for about 15 years now. And I've lived in, gosh, in six countries before I moved over here to, to the U.S. I live in California now. And what that taught me was that there is really not a straight line. You know, you're going from kind of like on a treasure hunt from queue to queue to queue and figuring out what's next for you. And um, for me, my background is in business development. That's what I went to college for, as well as acting in the entertainment industry. And, um, you know, and even a small stint in, in media in as far as school. And so those things kind of all came together um, because what I was doing a few years ago was marketing coaching and I wanted to connect with higher level influencers. And that was one of the things that the people that I, that were attracted to my coaching were people who were just getting started in their businesses, very much in the beginning phases. And while that was fun, I really wanted to play a bigger game. And so I got together with this with a friend of mine, Meta Miller, and we had this brilliant idea. Let's launch a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's why we get to connect with, you know, with people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Perry Marshall and John Benson, really, really big names, and go to them with a spirit of generosity and help them mm-hmm. promote the book that they have coming out or a new program or a new service. So that's what we did a couple of years ago now, 2013. And each time I would interview someone, we stopped the recording at the end and I would say that, hey, I know you have this book coming out or this new product or new service. Would you like to be on other shows as well? And they would always say yes. So just to help them, I would hook them up with other podcasters, get them booked on shows, make all these introductions. And um, one of my clients, uh, who mutual friend of ours, uh, Ben Simkin, he came to me one day and he says that, hey, I have this guy. Can you help him get on some podcasts? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I can help him. And he's like, yeah, but this time you have to charge for it. (laughs) And I'm like, fine. (laughs) So that's how it shifted from marketing to publicity and coming at it from a direct response marketer 
mentality and uh, really, really looking at it in terms of funnels and Facebook ads and everything else that you would normally do to uh, get traffic to your to get eyeballs on your offer. How can we combine that with the credibility that publicity can give you and the traffic that publicity can give you in a way that is really, really powerful? Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So uh, let's just, for listeners, let's just key in on this. So you, what I really like is because some people, you know, they're like, hey, I'm on TV, I'm famous, but you get your 15 minutes of fame and then it's over and done with. But like you talk about, like you take look, take it from the angle of direct response marketing where, you know, we're going to get you an interview, but really we're also getting you an audience. And so at the end, you know, you want to make some sort of offer and this needs to translate into something for you and your business other than just, you know, a bunch of people who may or may not know your name, right? So for yeah. you, for the people that are listening, they have to think about if they want to get interviewed, they need to kind of have a purpose and a reason. Is that kind of true? Are there, I guess I want to say, what are some common um, things I guess people get tripped up on? Like, because you did it in such an organic way. And that's something I really like as well that you, you know, it started out just helping other people. And then you found a lot more people needed the help. And then you eventually translated into doing it for a profit, which is a really organic way to start any business. And obviously, you're fantastic at what you do. You get amazing referrals all the time. So I guess what I want to ask, or I'm, I'm kind of taking a long way around the bush on this, but you know, what do you need to have prepared before you go? Uh, and like before someone it wants to get PR, like some of these people might be listening. They're like, yeah, we're going to get a million people to hear about my business and our business is going to blow up. Is that how it works? Or... Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. You just got to get on the right show and no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's a really good question, Daryl, because a lot of people, that's exactly their mentality. And as you spell it out, it kind of sounds a little bit like, yeah, what was I thinking? That's kind of ridiculous. But most people come in with that expectation that I just have to get on some of these bigger shows and that will make all the difference. So with publicity, like with anything, you have to be consistent about it. One time, yes, it may jumpstart something for you. Like, let's just say, for example, if you have a book or um, you have a weight loss product or something, that would be a good fit for the Oprah show, right? When it was still on TV. That that has a huge audience. If you're able to get on that show, certainly you will see a huge spike of traffic to your website. But if you don't have the right funnels and the right systems in place to actually capitalize on that, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily translate into leads and sales for you immediately. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I always, this is one of my first questions that I ask to um, to prospects who come to me and who are interested in working with me is, what does your current marketing and sales process look like? How are you getting clients? And if they can explain to me in a very step-by-step way that this is what they have and is dialed in and these are their metrics, that's when it makes sense to talk about publicity. We can always ask, assuming it's an interesting product or service, we can always get publicity. But if you don't have the back-end systems in place to have the two together Mm. it's kind of like putting the card before the horse you know you're not going to see the results that you're hoping for so you know it it used to be for the longest time that people would come to me and they would say hey can you help me with this i have a coaching program i'm launching i don't have the funnels yet but i I know i can do it because i've done it as a done for you or whatever they have the track record and yes but if they don't have the funnel for that particular thing and they don't have their facebook ads dialed in i would send away perfectly good prospects you know because i'm not going to take on somebody who, who I know. And I don't have the technical skills. And now we fixed that. I, I teamed up with a really, really good friend of mine, John Dennis, who has a full service digital marketing agency. And that's what he specializes in is the funnels and lead generation so that we are able to offer something together for those who don't have those backend systems in place. Mm-hmm. But but let's just say if, if you don't have somebody who is taking care of that for you, definitely that's something that you need to work on and have that built built out in a way that you know it's reliable and consistent and then add the publicity piece to it. I love that. So let's recap and make sure everyone caught that. And again, my listeners, hopefully they know they should have their paper and pen in hand. Um, 
or something to take notes down on. So like you said, there's two parts to it. There's the publicity part, but then there's also the where you're sending people to and having some sort of like some sort of sales process. It's not just kind of, you know, hope, hope is a bad strategy, right? Like you want your client that can show you and go, look, I get a visitor to my website. They sign up for a quote or they fill out this form to get something. They do a survey, you know, they, they take our five step quiz. They, you know, they get my free report. They get the checklist, something right to build a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then we sell them this and then they sell them that, you know, like you want to see like a process and not just like, Oh, I don't know. We send them to the website and sometimes we get phone calls. Sometimes we don't, we don't really know. Um, which just comes back to really solid marketing principles, which also makes sense with why all such so many big names seek you out and why you're um, like, you know, you said something and I'm sure there's someone on the phone or on the call here that was like, I wouldn't turn a prosper away, but it's really speaks to your integrity that the fact that you do do that, if someone's not ready or if they're not someone you can actually help that you turn them away because it's in your best interest. Right. And yeah. you're not really hurting for business anyway. So, um, so I love that. So it talked about having a sales process. I love that. So a way to capture leads, turn them into dollars. And now it makes sense. Hey, let's go get in front of as many audiences as we can. And is that the goal? Is the goal in public like and in, in, uh, publicity? Is it about getting in front of as many audi- audiences as you can? Is it about just getting one or two really big, powerful ones? Once you have someone who has something in place, what's kind of the more effective strategy? Mm, it depends on where you are in in your business at this moment and what your goals are. So, for example, let's say um, you, like our mutual friend, Ryan Levesque, um, who I worked with for 11 months last year on his book campaign for his new book, Ask. And the book became a number one national bestseller, you know, the LA Times, USA Today, Publishers Weekly, all those lists. And we sold over 50,000 books. And also because of the back-end sales, because when people read the book, now they want help with the implementation. So they want to join his mastermind, which is a $97 a month membership. So with this that he already had built out before we started promoting, over the course of the year, we've been able to add over $1.8 million to his business per year because of the monthly membership. And the cool thing was that he discovered that people who came through podcast interviews are his most passionate buyers. Mm. So his strategy was this, that he he measures everything. He's super into direct response. He's a funnel expert. And um, he looked at, okay, who are the people who are staying long-term, right, in the mastermind? And the biggest drivers for his book sales that fed this mastermind were podcast interviews and Facebook ads. Mm. So... The strategy that we did with him was that he would give away 50 books, 50, 50, 50, free of charge on every interview that he did and track it with a coupon code and then retarget them on Facebook. And this works so well because it seems like the offer is the same if you just see, you know, cold traffic sees a random ad for a free book on Facebook. But when you compare it to people who had the chance to listen to him and hear his methodology through a podcast interview, those are the people who he had the chance to develop that rapport and relationship and trust with. And those are the guys who are staying long term in the membership. Mm. So so when, when you're able to have something that is that structured and dialed in, that's ideal. Mm. Now, not everybody has that. Obviously, Ryan has this as, as his own set of expertise, and he's been doing funnels and Facebook ads for many, many years, and he has a full team who is implementing that. But let's say you are not there quite yet in, in being that structured. At least if you still have a step-by-step process and you know exactly how leads and clients are coming for you, that's when you look at what kind of media makes sense for me. Mm-hmm. So for example, for Ryan, we did everything and I worked with him on the podcast side in terms of publicity. And then he had another publicist who was working on the radio and TV and newspapers and all that stuff for him. Mm. And it was very interesting to see that he really needed both for the credibility. And yet the sales came from the podcast interviews, from, from the books that were picked up from people who came from podcast interviews. Mm. So it would be very easy to say that why why did he bother with mainstream media, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there is that thing about credibility. And I guess one way to test it would be that you can run the same ads and then take off those major media logos, you know, versus mm-hmm. uh, 
putting it where, where, you're, uh, where you have it on and see how people react. But certainly just being able to show that you're a credible expert helped him level up his media to the point where Inc. Magazine named the book the number one marketing book of the year. Mm-hmm. And that would not have happened if it was just podcast interviews on the publicity side. Got it. So yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so he was going after multiple different types of publicity, not even because it was the most profitable, because some of it credentialized the rest of the stuff he was doing. He could put the logo on his landing page or whatever, like as seen on CNN or mm-hmm. something like that. Got exactly. And, and he had some of that already from previous businesses. Mm-hmm. But this I'm saying this particularly for the book launch. And obviously, we'll see really the results over long term. So with him, I worked with him for 11 months and he did about 80 podcast interviews and a handful of radio and TV and, and magazines. But you don't need a lot of the major media, just a handful of logos will do. Mm-hmm. So just really think through what do you think your target market will need to hear and believe in order to want to take that that next step with you and then create your media and publicity campaign strategy accordingly that I want to be like, let's just say in four or five different bigger publications like Inc. Magazine, Forbes, whatever, those type of things. And then have the niche audiences if you have a niche type of business. And one of the lowest hanging fruits is podcast interviews because mm-hmm. they're very, very accessible. They're not as competitive as, say, TV or print magazines. Mm-hmm. And you will be in front of a niche target audience who is already tuned into that topic. They have a trusted relationship with the host who is endorsing you. And so when you are there as an expert to make the host look good, that's when they will recommend you to their audience. And, you know, uh, just by association, you have that credibility and that trust with that audience immediately so that you're able to leverage other people's platforms. Mm, 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 mm. So well articulated. If people weren't paying attention, go back, listen to that, get your paper and pen out and take some notes. Because that was, I mean, you're, you're giving away. Now, my next question to follow up with that is you said he did 80 interviews. Now, you were the one that had to set those up. So yeah. for people that are listening and if they're kind of not sure if they got kind of a funnel and they want to get some, you know, traffic or they're, you know, they can do ads, but they want to try a variety of things. They just want to get their feet wet. I mean, how do you set up 80 interviews? Did you have uh, relationships with all these different, uh, you know, these different platforms before then? At some point, you had to start the relationship. So how do you even go about that? How do you connect with some of these power, like power channels or even just reaching out to the podcast? Not all podcasts mm-hmm. even have contact info. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I had relationships with many of them because I've been doing podcast interviews for my own business for a couple of years. And because I have a podcast myself, I'm kind of plugged into the community. But when I first got started as a marketing coach about two and a half, three years ago with publicity, I didn't even know what a podcast was. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of heard about it. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds like a good way to get clients, like totally <laughs> naive. <laughs> so I'm looking, who are the most powerful ones? Oh, this guy. Guy, entrepreneur on fire, John Lee Dumas, let me give him a call. Right. <laughs> you know? I go to the website, there's no call information, of course. So I submitted my um, my information there. And that was just at the, it was like to that mid 2013, it was just at the verge where that show was becoming really, really big. So I was lucky in that with him in particular, we became really good friends since then is that he was able to get me on the show without me having this huge following, you know, thousands and thousands of people on my Facebook or anything like that. And we had a great conversation. And and the way I built the relationship, for example, with him, and I'm mentioning him because that's one of the shows Uh that your audience would probably be interested in getting on. You know, it's one of the biggest ones on iTunes with over 1.2 million downloads a month. So if you're serving the entrepreneurial or uh, business um, education market, this is a great show to be on. Uh So uh, with John, even back then, he had about two and a half or three months of a wait list before he was able to get me an interview. Mm-hmm. And then um, as soon as we hung up, I just had a chat with him, a conversation, and I asked him, hey, how can I help you? What can I do not only to promote this interview, but in, in other ways of your business, what can I do to help? What are you working on? And he shared with me his goals. And one of them was, for example, to to do more speaking gigs. So immediately I introduced him to somebody who had an event coming up in San Diego. He was able to go and speak on stage there. So it, it might be something where, where you just know that there is something that they're looking for and you have another contact, not, not even something that necessarily you are providing. But if you can make that connection for them and set it up, Without any monetary compensation, you are just simply the good guy. You're making those connections for them. That's how you build a relationship. 
Got it, got it. So it's just good old-fashioned networking and reaching out and doing outreach and having some sort of value to offer people. So it's not messaging people going, hey, you you need to put me on your show because I'm so amazing, ABC. It might be more reaching out going, hey, I believe your audience are these type of people, and if so, they might benefit from XYZ, ABC. You know, please take, you know, take a look and consider this. Um, and then, like you said, if, if and when you do get in touch with anyone, to really work hard to, to, to make that relationship uh, blossom and, and flourish. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and I would look at even take it a step further and start, I call it playing the reverse mafia game. You know, how, how in the mafia, you're not, you know, they are doing you favors and you'll owe them a big one at some point. What you, what you want to do is, is turn it around and you are the one who is doing them favors. Uh-huh. And so think about when your launch is coming up. Let's just say you have a book coming out or a new product or new service and you would like publicity. You will need at least three to four months of a lead time, especially for shows like Entrepreneur on Fire or Mixergy because they're very competitive and they have a lot of people coming wanting to go on them. So even if they say yes today, it's going to take you three months to actually get that interview recorded. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, before you would even pitch them, see, first of all, if you can get an introduction through a mutual friend. And I promise you, if you just go on Facebook, create your dream list of the people that you would like to connect with and then see who your mutual friends are. And we all know, you know, the six degrees of separation and somebody knows somebody who knows somebody. Well, probably in this day and age, it's more like two to three degrees. You will be able to get those introductions fairly quickly. And even if you are completely not networked or if you are, let's just say, starting in a new niche and you don't have any contacts in the space, you'll see who those mutual friends are and then start networking with those people strategically, not in a way that is tit for tat and I'm doing you a favor so that you can eventually help me with that, but just really come um, knowing that as as long as you give and give generously without any expectations of something in return, it will come back to you. That's so awesome. That's a great, great tip. You know, it's funny. I literally just read an article a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, it, you know, and I don't have it in front of me, so forgive me, but it was saying something about like, hey, you know, the six degrees of separation. Well, according to everyone on Facebook, if you have a Facebook account, you're only like 3.4 degrees away from anyone else. Right. You know, something like that. It was just a minuscule amount. And I love that because in fact, some of the people, some of the mentors that I've had in business, that's such a great tip. That's literally what I did. I remember I set a goal one day. I was at a conference and, you know, and the guru on the stage was like, hey, if you want to be broke, hang out with nine broke people. I was like, forget that. I want to hang out with nine millionaires. And so I made a goal to, to befriend and make friends with nine excuse me, nine million or multimillionaires. And one of the things that I actually did was I had exactly like you said a list of some people that I wanted to reach out to and I literally just looked him up on Facebook and said, hey, <laughs> like I just sent him a message. Hey, I really respect what you did with XYZ, ABC and just exactly like you said, just worked hard to become their friend. A few of them I've done interviews with on my show even and that's exactly how it started. I didn't meet him on the street. I didn't meet him at a coffee shop. I didn't even meet him at a conference. I just looked him up on Facebook. I reached out and said, hey, and just started a conversation in a relationship like that. So that is a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous tip. Um, also, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that you do have your own podcast. It's called the Born to Influence, the marketing show. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. that's and right. You've been yeah. running that for how long? It's been a few years now. We launched in December 2013. And when I say we, it's with my co-host, Matt Miller, who I mentioned in the beginning. That's awesome. Yes, perfect. So sorry, I know I, I, when you were talking and you were talking about your podcast, I was like, oh, right, I didn't mention that. In <laughs> that's sorry, all right. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> So now, are there any other steps that are really important in the publicity? Like if someone's getting prepared to work with someone like you, like a publicist, is it good to have a bio written beforehand? Are there key things that you want to have in a fact sheet or is that what you put together? Do you put together some sort of kit to deliver and send to people? Like how do you – what do you recommend? What do people – Great question. So it, it depends on what kind of media we are going after. 
that will determine what kind of specific assets we will need. And it may be that, let's say, you haven't done much media at all or anything at all, so we are starting from scratch. Let's assume that's the situation, because if you have some stuff, then it's just a matter of tweaking it. But this way, we are taking you through the process of what you will need. Let's say if you um, want to do podcast interviews, you're a funnel building expert or something in online marketing or a health coach or some kind of an expert who would benefit from being in front of niche audiences and you want to get interviewed on podcasts. The two things that you will absolutely need is a headshot and a bio. And headshot, make sure that it's not a silly selfie or something. Make sure that it's a high-resolution, nice headshot. And the reason for that, even though most podcast interviews are audio only, they will, in many cases, create a show notes page that is kind of like a blog page. They will put your picture up there, and they will create custom graphics that they post on social media. So if your pictures are low-resolution and they have the dog in them and whatever, that's just that doesn't look very good. You want to present yourself in the in the Uh, best light possible. And the second one is your bio. And I've received bios from clients anywhere from just a few lines to three pages. So, you know, when, when you have an introduction by a podcast host that they might dedicate 25, 30 seconds to an introduction, in some cases they will go longer, but most of the times they prefer the bio to be short. And in many cases, when you're booking your interviews, and this is more of the logistical part of the process, is you're using a scheduler, like, for example, Schedule Once or Time Trade. They specify that, hey, upload your bio here, 50 words maximum or 75 maximum. Now, the 50 words maximum, if you happen to have 52, nobody will count it and cut your head off. But try to honor that and do the 50 words. Because if you're running long and much longer than 50, what will happen is they will start editing it for you. And that's where you're losing control of how you're being introduced, which is one of the biggest uh biggest and most important things in the beginning of your interview, because that's where you're setting the stage. They are setting the stage for you and they're framing who this person is that they're going to be interviewing. So if you have a well-crafted bio, that will set you up for success. If it's something that is very long and you kind of left it to them to edit it, well, good luck with that. Some people will do a great job and some people will butcher it. So... You can use a free tool like wordcounter.net, for example. And of course, in, in Word and in Pages, they also have the tools for word, for counting the characters and the words. But that is just super easy because as you're editing, it updates the number of words and characters in real time. So you see what you can change around in order to have that short and powerful bio. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, that's... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So those are the two that you will need as assets just when you're submitting yourself for interviews. Assuming that they said yes for for you to be interviewed on that show. So let's just say when I'm pitching a client for a podcast, then I say that, hey, I have this person. These are a couple of things about them. I think that they would be a good fit for your show. Let me know if you would like to interview them. At that point, they have I have not sent them their headshot and bio yet. And this is what I would recommend for our listeners here. If you're pitching yourself, don't send all these assets just yet because they haven't said yes yet to you. So you want to pitch in a way that intrigues curiosity and they want to come back to you and say that, hey, tell me more. So you first have an introductory little conversation with them back and forth via email. Now they're asking for more. That's when you're sending your bio and your headshot. And now you're thinking in terms of, okay, this is a show that will actually produce traffic and leads for my funnel. What can I offer to them that will also help me convert and get people on my list? Or in some cases, even you're able to make a direct offer for a paid product through podcast interviews. Anything like this, you would have to clear ahead of time with the host. But just make sure that you have something that is specific to the content that you will be talking about and that already, you know, that converts. And um, we were talking about Ryan Levesque a little bit earlier um, about his book, Ask, that he would give away 50 copies free of charge for every single interview that he did. That's one offer. If you have a book and you might do a free copy or a free chapter or the audio book, something like that. If you're not an author, you might do a downloadable cheat sheet or a video series or a webinar, anything that you already know is proven that people are interested in, and then craft your intentional media message statement around that so that the natural extension and the next step will be to get the the next five steps or the, something that is related to it, and they can download it from your website. Hmm. 
That's true. I really love. I want to give a recap because this has just been it's been really good. Just business building content just in general because at the beginning we talked about how you need to have a standard sales process so there's two parts sure there's publicity but before we even get to that you got to have your business together you got to know what you're offering people it has to make sense we've used the word funnel a few times a lot of listeners might be familiar with that some new people may not but essentially it's a step series of steps people take that are kind of predetermined by you to lead people towards knowing liking and trusting you enough to make a purchase once you've kind of got that articulated and now you just need an audience now it makes sense to get a publicist work with them and go get syndicated you may want to figure out which channel works best that might speed like with uh, the case of ryan podcast might be the best because you get really good niche audiences. Maybe you've got a mass, like a, a, not a mass media, but you've got like a really generic product. Like I, I had a client, he had a, a beard club, you know, and so he had a mainstream, it was very mainstream product in that sense. And so for them, they might want to get on the big channels just and only exclusively. But you also mentioned that, you know, regardless of what it is, it's good to have a mix because they each lend credibility to each other, especially if you can get on some of the bigger channels. So I really like that. And then you went through and talked about how to do it, that you need a bio, you probably need a short bio and a long bio, that you're going to need a really good quality headshot. And that when you do the outreach, you don't want to just bombard them with all this info, that you're actually looking to build a relationship with these people, um, because you could probably get on the show multiple times, really, you know, over over a span of a few months or a couple of years. So to really just seek to give value first and to help people and, and to just even see if you can be a valuable connector for them by introducing them to someone that they need, or really just trying to take care of whatever it is that they're concerned about at that moment and provide value before you even ask for anything. So just really good practical networking skills. And then scaling up from there. Um, did I miss anything? I feel like there's something I else. think that's a great recap there. And one thing I would like to add is you mentioned your client who had the beard pro- beards product. Mm-hmm. It sounds like some kind of a fun or entertainment type of product, right? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it well, I might as well me? say, it was, yeah, it was the Dollar Beard Club. So it was. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so the, basically, the guy was brilliant, That uh, Chris, the founder that did it. There's the Dollar Shave Club, which is very uh-huh. mainstream, but then yes. he goes and he just does the exact antithesis. It's the Dollar Beard Club. We'll send you some beard oil and beer wax <laughs> and all this beard stuff. So for him, it's getting into mainstream because it's so buzzworthy. Publicity is a great way for yes. him to get out there. And again, like if you're a man, you're either a shaver or you're a bearder, right? Like you're one or the other. So, um, But sorry, why? What were you going to say? Well... Well, because it sounds like that's something that would definitely work with mainstream media, not only because he's able to capitalize on spoofing on the Dollar Shave Club, but also because it's such it's half the population are men. So they could potentially be interested in that, uh, depending on whether they shave or not. And and even with the wives, because, you know, or, or girlfriends who, who at least if, if you have to have a beard, at least have it groomed properly. Right. Right. right exactly. <laughs> so there is a huge mainstream that. audience. But but then the next thing that that I would look at if I were him is, okay, who is your target audience specifically break it down into different categories? And one category might be entrepreneurs, or it might be people who work from home. And I look at, could I go potentially on some podcasts and not necessarily talk about the beard product, but talk about how I built my business. And I have this unconventional thing where I, I took the Dollar Shave Club uh, publicity and, and viral reach, and I did a spoof on that. And how did I do that? He could be sharing his story and embed the product in it and get in front of huge audiences who are in position to buy because most podcast uh, listeners are actually the most affluent part of the population. They are technologically savvy. They are more likely to follow brands online than than uh, the mainstream consumer who are not listening to podcasts. Uh, they are very social. Uh, they, you know, they they are motivated. And I'm, I'm not saying these just like you know making it up, but actually uh, Pew and Edison Research does a study called the Podcast Consumer Every Year, and they have these huge stats and, and numbers uh, comparing people who are podcast listeners compared to the rest of the population. And basically, what it comes down to is the most affluent and and the most uh, by people who who are most likely to buy are people who are um, podcast listeners. 
Got it. I love hearing that, and I know that's for sure that that's definitely the case, that uh, I've been fortunate enough to really meet some of my audience, and I think mm. you're right. They're very smart, very savvy people, and they do tend to be more affluent. And that makes perfect sense, too, because they're looking for niche information. They want they don't want to read through a newspaper with 50 different topics. They want to know just pure information on X, Y, Z. So sure. depending on what type of podcast you're after, yeah, you could definitely hit some really big pockets of people. And, and, and so, go ahead. No, 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 no by all means. And so you would customize the way you're sharing your information and your methodology based on what kind of media you're looking after. So, for example, if it was the beard product and you're going to be placed in magazines or on TV or make it fun and make it fit the style of that outlet. And that would be very different because you have to dumb down your content a little bit. You have to be very, very brief because they're serving a mass market audience compared to when you're in online media outlets like, for example, podcast podcasts or YouTube shows or presentations for paid masterminds or private Facebook groups or, you know, uh, joint venture uh, webinars or telesummits, whatever it is that would put you in front of the right target audience. Those are uh, the type of outlets that you need to look at and then see how can you, how can I communicate my message in a strategic way that will convert, that will entice people to want to take the next step with me, and it also fits the format of that outlet that they're already used to. So it sounds like there needs to be some good prep work to really get the most out of publicity. I mean, um, you know, sure, you can get on some sort of show and get a million people to hear you talk for five seconds. But at the end of the, you know, it might just fizzle out and that's it. You just got your 15 seconds of fame and there's nothing. But if you really are prepared beforehand, you know your customers, you know you can serve, and you've got some of that demographic research, then you can really shop around and pick the best channel for you so you get the best ROI for what you're paying your publicist as well as for your time invested. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So I want to ask, um, how about you, like in this business, did you come across any challenges in being a publicist for people? Were there things that you had to overcome and figure out as you went along? Well, one of the big challenges I came across was very often for the better part of the first year I was in this business was people would come to me without having a funnel set up. And I just didn't find it a a good way to get started because even if I, let's just say, if I took them on and get them publicity, if they're not getting the results, it's not going to be a happy experience for for either one of us. So so that was a big one. And and, uh, I mentioned my friend John Dennis, who we teamed up with uh, through his company to be able to take care of that piece for people who need it. But I would say that that's something that you want to think through anyway, whether or not you're hiring somebody to create that backend system for you mm-hmm. is think about who is the target audience that I'm looking to reach and what do they need to hear and believe in order to want to take the next step and then create your intentional media message content based on that. And, that. Yeah. And, and for me, for me, as as a as a, a roadblock or a challenge that was as a as a publicist was very often I would work with people like for example Ryan Levesque and and he wasn't one of those because he even though he's super super into direct response he already understood the value of publicity and that credibility, but people who are in a similar field will come to me and because they're so focused on direct response all their lives they're like i don't know this branding thing seems like a fluffy like i I don't see how i'll get results you know it's it's just like spending thousands of dollars a month and then not getting anything that was their attitude Mm -hmm. so my job as a publicist was to educate them and to show them what can we do and that's why i have that whole questionnaire in the beginning what do you already have set up in your business to use publicity as something that will supplement that funnel and that will make your results even better. It's not something that is either or, where it's whether marketing or publicity, you will have to have both if you want to have the best results possible. So for me as a publicist, that was that was a, uh, a challenge to be able to pass that education through in a way that is not lecturing and that makes sense to them when they're coming from a completely different school of thought. And one of the best ways was to, to start getting results for people. And then through those case studies, I was able to share in a way that is not just saying, you know, numbers like out of thin air, but actually true uh, proven uh, results from other clients. Mm-hmm. And you even have, for anyone that's listening and they're hearing some of this and they're not really sure where they stand, you actually have like a quiz people can take. Is that correct? 
Yes, um, it's uh, called an assessment, and it's uh, you can get it at borntoinfluence.com. If you just click on the assessment link or go to borntoinfluence.com forward slash assessment, and what it does, it's it's twelve very fun, easy yes or no questions, and it will tell you exactly where you are in your business in terms of whether or not it makes sense for you to do publicity right now. Mm. And if it doesn't, then it will give you very actionable advice of what can you do to set yourself up in a way that you can truly benefit from publicity. That's awesome. And so um, did you have to, were there any books that you read to help you figure out this game as you went along the way? I mean, we mentioned, we mentioned Ryan Levesque's book, Ask, which is a great book. I actually, uh, I had a copy and then I, I don't know, I moved, I lost it. So I actually got another one. Um, <clears throat> and then so there's Ask, were there any other books that you would recommend to people that are trying to get up and running? Maybe they want to be publicists themselves or maybe they're just a small mom and pop shop and they're looking to get some more publicity for their business or just even just get a little bit, you know, to get, you know, get the experience going. Was, is there anything you would recommend? or just even for growing their business in general? Yeah. Um, well, to give you an example of how I started getting physical products, for example, so outside of the expert space, how I started getting publicity, um, I used to work for a company called 1928, which is the largest fashion jewelry company in the country, in the U.S., and um, I was their director of marketing. And uh, they would do mostly B2B sales. So their customers would be companies like Macy's or Bad Bath and & Beyond. And it wasn't a ton of marketing work other than the e-commerce side, which was directed consumers. And that was, in terms of sales, that was very small compared to what a big company like Macy's was able to bring to the table. So for me, as a marketing director, my job was really just to to help uh, and facilitate the sales process and help the, the work of the sales department and then place ads in trade magazines. Okay, so I was kind of bored a little bit in that job. <laughs> and I thought it would be so much more fun to get some publicity for these um, jewelry because it was really great products, you know, like Downton Abbey, for example, the TV show and the Marvel movies, all the superheroes, they would, uh, the company would be licensing those brands and then create the, the jewelry according to those themes and those big brands. And so I, I would get the uh, product on TV and into magazines and uh, into newspapers and create stories around them. And the, the way I was able to do it is to connect with either the journalists directly or the editors, or in some cases, bloggers bloggers who are already have the connections with those places and then they would bring a, a collection of four or five different products that they want to offer in a gift guide or in on, or something that is like a, a a collection piece not necessarily something that is only featuring one brand so that's a really really great way to start and that's the same um, same methodology that you can use even if you don't have a physical product let's say if you have a service-based business or you're an expert Unless you're already famous where they are happy to do a full feature on you of a two-page two magazine spread or something like that, it's really hard to get completely featured if you don't have a huge amount of traction. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is create a pitch where you will say, let's say, the, the five top podcasts to listen to or the five mobile apps that will help with your sales or whatever it is that you're offering. And then one of them, it just so happens to be your product and mm -hmm. make that the first one. Mm -hmm. Got it. So you just nestle it in there among the others, and then you're still providing yeah. value of content. Got it. That's, that's exactly right. And you want to be transparent about it, of course. Of you course. can mention it when you're pitching it, but but that way you're not just making making a pitch where you're like, look at me, write a full two-page spread about me. That's unlikely to happen if you're not famous already. But if you can uh, position it as a guide to the top best products or websites or resources, that's where you're able to get your foot in the door. Mm, mm, mm. That makes sense. And you're doing a comparison against other, if it's you know top five podcasts, it's a way for you to... Uh, I don't want to say compare yourself to be better, but you can p talk about why you're unique or different and why someone would want to listen to you or buy your product over the others. And you go, everything's got a good quality. I mean, that's what they say. Uh, what is it? Uh, Charlie Munger says, like, that's how animals survive in the wild. They niche. You look at birds. Mm -hmm. There's birds that, you know, that are after insects. There's birds that are after nuts. There are birds that eat other birds. And it's just through the niching process. And that's the same thing we do in any economy. So, or mm -hmm. any market. So that's really good advice. Now, and, and another thing, too, that you can do the side-by-side -side comparison or 
or you can do something that is related but not competitive. So let's say, for example, if you're a productivity expert, then you might say that the five top productivity resources and then three of them will be free, like the Pomodoro app or whatever. And then one of them will be your product that is a paid product or service. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. Or something like the five things every blank needs, you know, and one can be or two or three can be physical products. And again, depending on what you do, you know, yours might be a service. You mentioned three physical products and two services and one of them happens to be yours. Yeah. That's a good way to put that. So for you and having built this business and having built your clientele and kind of tried to find a work-life balance, do you feel that there's been any habits that have helped you be successful and helped you maintain your success and last and the track record that you've been able to, to have for your clients? I think it's a little bit of coming out of my shell. <laughs> I'm totally introverted. I prefer to connect with people and network online because I just don't like to necessarily go to big conferences. And, and not that I don't like to meet people face to face, but when it's a lot of people, it's overwhelming for me. And I made a conscious choice to change that. So I've been doing more speaking and going to places like traffic and conversion a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, uh, places where you would get the opportunity to make a real human connection in many cases with people who you have known for, in my case, for years from Mm -hmm. Facebook or talking on the phone, but we never met face to face. And this was our opportunity. And you know what? Uh, We before we started the recording today, we uh, briefly talked about one of my new clients. So I talked with him on the phone uh, maybe two or three times before and he came through a referral and he was very interested but he didn't necessarily say yes and then it just so happened that he was coming to San Diego at the same time that I was going to this conference so he wanted to meet up I'm like okay sure mm-hmm. and sure enough now you know because now he feels like it's a real person mm-hmm. and face to face and that's how he was able to make the commitment so I would definitely say that if you have the chance to go out a little bit and and uh, structure your days and your strategies in a way that you have some face-to-face time that's very, very valuable. Mm, I think you're right. I think, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that because I've actually gone to conferences and I've gone to events simply just to be there with other people because, like you said, that face-to-face time, that presence in their lives. I mean, nowadays it's so easy for us to be connected and have 5,000-plus friends on Facebook and I don't know how many thousands I got on LinkedIn. And, you know, it's just it's easy. It's easy and it's a piece of cake and people are there, but they're not in your physical world where you are and it's funny because if the power goes out those people kind of disappear into the ether they're not in your real world day-to-day life and i think what you mentioned is really important there's something that i'd like i I did an interview with drayton bird uh, a while back i think we might have just released it um and he wrote a book called Common Sense Direct Marketing, and it was—it's been the best sell. It's been a best on the bestsellers list for over 34 years in the UK. Um, and he's got a quote in there, and there's lots of great advice in that book. But this is the one thing I just—I love it so much. And he says the purpose of business is to locate a prospect, to turn them into a customer, and then to make that customer your friend. And the whole concept—and I've said this a lot of times—and I say it again because I think it's really valuable for the listeners, and I want to make sure that they get this in their head. But we have friends for a reason and friends for a season and friends for life. And Mm. if you become friends with someone for the reason, like for you, Esther, if you become friends with someone for the reason that they pay you money for you to get them interviews, and as long as they are your friend and they need that done, they will come to you. All things considered equal, people prefer to do business with their friends. All things still not so equal, people, or all things not so equal, equal, people still prefer to do business with their friends. So that personal relationship is really important. And again, you know, We live in a world of people, and so, you know, everyone's kind of trying to take care of their tribe, and I know we don't like nepotism, and I know we don't like it when there's a teacher's pet or a favorite, but that stuff does exist, and you can either talk about it and complain about it, or you can at least try to persuade it to your advantage a little bit, and I'm not necessarily Mm. trying to say that I'm all for that, but, you know, I definitely do try to maintain really strong and good relationships because, one, I just enjoy being around people, but I also know that fact there, and so that's a really important thing that I'm glad you mentioned that because if you have a client and you're nameless and kind of faceless and they're just kind of kind of writing checks it's really easy for them to just be like oh it's something to happen and them to want to redirect that money elsewhere and if mm-hmm. you're not focused on a critical thing in their business they just write you off but if you're you know when you can get someone saying the language like my my barber my dry cleaner my mechanic right my buddy mm-hmm. owns a restaurant my girlfriend owns a restaurant right like my like now there's that sense of ownership that 
that companionship, that friendship, and have that face-to-face time, those real connections, they mean a lot. In fact, forgive me for going on a tangent during your interview, but I just actually went and I had an extra like 45-minute call on the phone with another client about something completely unrelated to the project because I'm more interested in making sure that we have a solid relationship because we'll both be happier with the relationship. It'll give us each more flexibility, and as long as everything's done the right way, then it'll be a long and beautiful you know, relationship. So. Yes, yes. And you know, one of the things, first of all, I I love that you said that it's so important to pay attention on the business side to make sure that you're seen as a trusted advisor and build, even if you have to go on a tangent and talk about something that they're not necessarily something that they hired you for, they will value your advice because you're giving your time generously. And that's actually one of the things that I do with my clients too, is like, obviously my job is to get them opportunities, to get them in front of the right target audiences. Before that, we make sure they have their media message dialed in and and all that stuff. But also, um, many of my clients are getting a lot of inbound inter- interview requests. The people are asking them to be on podcasts and telesummits, all these things. One of the things that is a value add for them is that they simply forward those interview requests to me mm-hmm. so I can take a look at it and see whether or not it makes sense for them. Yep. It may be because I already know that person, especially if it's a podcast, I pro- most likely <laughs> I know them. <laughs> but even if I didn't, I can look it up and look at it from the perspective of, what what do I see as patterns with everybody who I already work with? Like, for, let's just say, for example, if it's a new show, it's been published for less than three months. I used to book uh, people on shows that were very, very new because I know I got started somehow and I've been able to get people like Gary Vaynerchuk and John Benson and, you know, those people before we ever published. So I was coming at it from that perspective. But what I found over time is that Many, many podcasters are getting very new to business and they are doing the podcast as their only thing. They don't have an offer. They're not a coach or a consultant or have some kind of a brick and mortar or something. Mm. The podcast is the thing. And in many cases, this this is a good information for, for your listeners when you're looking at what kind of shows I should be on is make sure that they've been consistently publishing for at least three months, mm. because if that's kind of that seems to be the the timeline where a lot of people give up, they run out of steam, mm. and it could be that you go ahead and you give your time and your energy, and then that show either never gets published or they forget to pay their hosting or whatever, and over time it goes away. Mm. So um, the one one thing that I do to prevent this kind of thing happening is that I only book people on shows that that are already established or have been around for a while. Or if not, at least I know that that person who is hosting that show, because I know them, is somebody who's already a successful entrepreneur who has built a seven-figure business or a multiple six-figure business, because not because of the money, but because then I know that they're not relying on the podcast as their one thing. And because if they've been successful in another area, they're much more likely to stick with this as well. Yeah, there's a really good quote. Uh, Jim Rohn says it, like, if you want a million dollars, best hope you learn how to become a millionaire overnight so you get to keep the money. Yeah, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Like, if you take a millionaire, there's a lot of people that say it, and there's been a couple of people that have even been like, "Prove it." Remember Robert Allen? He was like the no money down guy. You know, get rich in real estate with no money down, and he put a challenge out in a newspaper interview that you could put him in any city, in any uh, in any city anywhere in the United States of America. You know, with like a hundred bucks in his pocket, and within a week, he'd have like like half a million dollars worth of portfolio. And some reporter yeah. t- said, do it. And he did it and put him to the test. And it's the thing, it's a skill set. People don't get that. People don't get that money making is a skill set. It's like yeah. maintaining your hair or maintaining your teeth or having good skin or, you know, having good physique that you go to the gym and work for. It takes, it takes like there's, it frustrates me when there's people that like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be rich in six months. Like, I mean, all the power to you. There are people that do it. I mean, um, I've got clients that, you know, they've hit 5 million in less than, less than eight months, which is, you know, Hey, knock on wood, good for you. Um, but there's not, you know, it's not as common as we'd like to hope. And so it's a skill that you develop. And I mean, Warren Buffett, you could take away his entire portfolio and he would just start back where he was, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it really is a skill set. So uh, I just want to say that because you said it's not about the money and it's not about the money it's about the demonstrated ability and that's a really key and important thing and i mentioned that oh go ahead 
Yeah, it's exactly what you said is the skill set. Like you were referring to to uh, both of us speaking different languages at the very beginning. It's exactly like that. You know, you speak a certain language. Now, if you were dropped in, in a community that only speaks that language and you don't know anyone, you know, you will be able to get around. Right. Right. The same thing with uh, with having that skill of developing relationships with people. And let's, I just want to give a couple of uh, very practical things here for, first of all, let's say if you have a service-based business or you're doing some kind of a, a done for you, what you might do, even for customers, if you have physical products, um, surprise and delight your customers and your clients every chance you get. And one of the things I do is I pay attention. And most of the time, just because of the nature of the business I'm in, I'm Facebook friends with most of my clients. So I see what's going on a little bit in their personal lives as well, even if they don't necessarily directly share it with me, because I just see it in my newsfeed. Like, let's say if somebody has a new baby or something like that. Now I know that my next thing is that I'm sending them flowers or I'm sending them baby clothes or something that would surprise and delight them that they were not expecting. And it's not related to publicity, but it will strengthen that bond and that relationship. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things that you can use are where you don't even have to leave your house. Like, for example, edible arrangements or fairy tale brownies or Amazon has books or physical products that you can send in a gift as a gift wrapped in, in a box. You know, as long as you know their address, you'll be able to get those gifts to them or flowers in a way that, that you don't even have to do much more than type in some information online or make a phone call. Yeah, and that's so that's so well said. I'm actually, that's something I always do with my clients. I always tell them, you know, if you have clients and they pay you, you know, depending on what your price points are and depending on the industry and depending on the product. But especially if, you know, if you're getting paid over $1,000, send your client a damn postcard. Like it's cost like yeah. what, like a dollar fifty cents, you know, and you can yeah. even use the same note for all your clients, you know, just because as long, like, you know, for scale purposes, not to be insincere or anything, but just write a really heartfelt message and send it to all of them. And it's going to cost you a buck fifty. They're paying you a thousand, over $1,000. Like the ROI, what's the ROI on that, you know? Yeah. And it can't yeah. And the- and the same thing with people who you don't know yet, who are not your paying clients yet, you can use the same kind of methodology to build those relationships. So, for example, earlier you were asking if for booking Ryan for 80 shows, did I know all those 80 people? Well, most of them I knew, but not everybody. And so what I do is I, I network myself in a way that I join the communities, the right Facebook groups. I do ask for introductions when it's appropriate, and I also offer very, very generously to other people to connect them. And so, for example, before I book some or before I pitch a particular client to a podcaster that I have not worked with before, I make it a point to connect with them via email or social media and ask them for a phone call or a Skype chat. And we spend anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes up to an hour where I'm just asking them about their own business and what their vision is for the show. How does it fit in with their overall business strategy? Is there any introductions I can make? Anything like that that has nothing to do with pitching clients for their show. And then, of course, part of that conversation is that who are you looking to ideally interview? Because I want to be respectful of their time and make sure that I only recommend guests who would really, really be a good fit. And, And so this is something that you can do even if you're not a publicist but just do that for yourself ahead of time is connect with people who are influencers in your space whether it's podcasters or instagram celebrities or anybody bloggers who who have the access to the right target audience that you're looking to connect with and see how you can help them and uh, one of a really easy way to say that is when when you're connecting with them for the first time say that hey we have these mutual friends if you do for example connect with them and, and i would love to learn more about what you do and what you're looking to accomplish i don't know for sure that we can do business together but it's worth a phone call to find out right and people love talking about themselves so i love to especially business owners tell me about your business what do you do (laughs) (laughs) there goes four hours of your day i mean get me going (laughs) like yeah so that's fantastic tips and i think like i said we've really covered this soup to nuts might even be worth listening to again for the people that if this is a topic that's interesting to you if you feel that there's been value guarantee if you listen to this call again you will find new nuggets in it and there's a lot of value in there one idea has made me tens of thousands of dollars on multiple occasions so that's why i always tell people to carry a pencil or pen when they listen to my interviews and that's why if it's a really good one I insist that you, if you have the time, to go back and at least listen to some of it again. So, um, Esther, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? 
I think we covered everything pretty much. It just comes down to being very strategic about what your goals are and what kind of publicity would make sense with that. Look at whether or not it's major media or podcast interviews or other types of online media. Oh, and there is one thing. Uh, so you want to always combine it with the other type of advertising that you're doing. So for example, Facebook ads or retargeting them through whatever networks you have. Um, you might use a tool like Snipply, for example, which is a link shortener, SNIP.ly, Snipply. It's kind of similar to Bitly or the Google link shortener, but it's a paid product. And what it allows you to do is you can collect your retargeting data so that you can create custom audiences on Facebook that you can then advertise to. So for example, if you know that you shared a particular story on this given podcast, like for example, I share something about Ryan here that uh, on, on your show, Daryl, that I haven't shared elsewhere. Now I know that if I were to share this interview through Snipply, this is the unique content that I can follow up on with future advertising just because I built my custom audiences around it. Mm-hmm. So well said. So many great tips in this call from just taking care of people to making sure you've got a buying or sell a sales process for your buyers to make sure you've got something to offer and a real business there to target marketing to choosing your audience right to getting ready to work with a publicist to getting the interviews to managing them before, during, and after. Esther, I really appreciate your time today. I know that you charge good money for this stuff, so I sincerely appreciate you sharing it with myself and the listeners. If anyone here has resonated with them or if anything you've said has resonated with anyone listening, if they'd like to reach out and either get in touch with you about hiring you or just asking more questions, what's some of the best ways for them to get in touch? Definitely connect with me at um, at my website, borntoinfluence.com, or just email me at esther, E-S-T-H-E-R, at borntoinfluence.com, and I'll be sure to get back to you. Let me know that you came through Daryl, and then you'll get priority. <laughs> awesome. Esther, thank you so much for your time today. You've been a valued friend, and I really appreciate you coming on my show to help us all out. So thank you. Thank you. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, What can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. And your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.